Is your brand standing out from the crowd or getting lost in the shuffle? A strong brand identity can make or break your business. This episode, we'll talk about how you can create and communicate a strong brand identity for your business. We'll talk tactics, tips, and common missteps, giving you everything you need to nail your brand identity. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I am your host today, Mallory Kuhn, and today I am joined by Sean Zamanini, growth marketer at Lean Labs. Hi there, Sean. How are you? Hello. Yes, I'm very well. Thank you. Excellent. Excited to talk brand identity today? <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, let's start simple. Um, real high level, what is a brand mm-hmm. identity? How do you define it when you're thinking about brand identity? Um, so it's how you kind of how you want to be perceived by your audience and potential customers that's the simplest way to put it i think so um when when your customers or potential customers see you how do you want to come across that's right. kind of what i think the brand identity is right like you're the core elements mm-hmm. right that uh really speak to what your brand is all about uh not necessarily the solution you're providing but like who you are as a brand right um yeah and so you know, why why do you think developing a clear, cohesive, you know, um, very solid brand identity is important and important in B2B specifically? Um, I think from, from a high level, you want to think about things like um, differentiating yourself from your competitors because B2B is very competitive and there's often many solutions for one problem in B2B. So... If, if your product does the same thing as all of your competitors do, like how are you going to stand out from them? Um, and I think building a, a, a brand um, is one way to do that because it makes you recognizable, uh, helps build trust with your um, like ideal clients and your audience. Um, it conveys what you do and, and, what, and more importantly, especially in today's environment, I think what, like what you stand for. Right. I think that is a big thing at the moment. It's like people are looking for brands that they can resonate with, um, that have similar beliefs to them. Um, and that filters down into every decision that people make. It's not just your products can solve a problem. It's like, okay, I, I can now go and research like who you are, you know, what's your Instagram profile saying? Um, <laughs> stuff like that, you know, like people look at that now before they make decisions. So I think it's important that you have a cohesive brand across all of those different things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into the nitty gritty a little bit more. Um, how, yeah. How does a well-defined brand identity contribute to the success and growth of a B2B company? So like we've talked a little bit about, you know, the things that, uh, the reasons why you should have a a brand identity, but let's get specific. Mm. Like what are some specific benefits, um, that brands can see when they have that really cohesive brand identity? Hmm. Um, well, back to my previous point, like you think, think about attracting your ideal customers. Um, branding can do that. Um, and it also then, the, 
if they see your brand more and more, as I say, you, you become recognizable and that can that can attract new customers, but also attract people that have maybe checked out your brand before, but not necessarily gone with you. But then if your brand sticks in their, in their mind, they'll come back right. to you and be like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that, you know, that particular logo and that particular tagline. Um, I remember them because that stood out to me. Um, and that also feeds into then customer retention. So like, that's super important in, in B2B as well, because it's not just a tool, like it, it's how you, it's how you keep customers, how you, you know, how you educate them to use your product and send them updates and things like that. Um, I think people generally stick with what they know and like and recognize. So if your brand resonates and aligns with the worldview, I like to call it, um, then they'll likely stick around. Um, then you've got things like high, higher prices. You can charge higher prices if if you're a more recognized brand because people want to be associated with your brand. Um, so that you know you can they, they get greater perceived value, I guess. Yeah. Um, from from that, um, what else? You can attract top talent. Um, so like people to work on your team, they want to work with 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 a brand that's more recognizable. Yeah, well, um, that's a benefit we don't think about much, right? On the the hiring side, on your operations, yeah. not even thinking about the customer in that particular um, instance. But you're you're so right. Uh, you know, the big yeah. brands with the the big names and that are trusted and stable and things like that. Uh, a lot of times, yeah. And I think we do have an easy I think time. also, yeah, and and I think also people, if you're working for a brand that you believe in and that has a big like a good identity you're happier to reach out to potential customers and say, you know, I'm representing such and such. And they'll be like, oh, right, okay. Automatically, they might trust you more. Um, and so, like, I think if you feel, if, if, if customers feel like a brand gets them, then um, they're going to be more likely to buy their products and hopefully become brand ambassadors as well, which is the ultimate goal of having a brand, I think. Right. Well, yeah, and I think that... Um... You know, a lot of the, those things, a lot of things that are, are in common among the things you've mentioned are um, not only are you going to be attracting customers and getting your, you know, your name out there, you're going to be attracting good fit people, right? If yeah. it's clear what your brand is, uh, what, what you're not, <laughs> what you stand yes. for, what your messaging is, right? If all of that is clear and cohesive across all of your channels, um, yeah. you're going to have an easier time aligning yourself with talent with customers across the board um and i think that's yeah. an excellent point and a great benefit of um you know of having that well-defined brand identity yeah and it's interesting because like it's like you said you don't you don't want to just attract anyone um you want to attract your ideal fit customers right and people that align i think it's a lot easier now to attract those customers by putting out what you want to portray you know and how you want to come across and then getting those people in the door that, that are actually going to be better fit customers um, and will actually, you know, they're not going to be shocked by your by your views or, 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 or by what you put across. So, yeah, I think it's important. Amazing. All right. So we are excited to get a brand identity because we see all these benefits that we can get mm -hmm. from it. Uh, how, do we, how do we do it? What are some of the key sure. elements <laughs> or components that make up a brand identity? So let's talk about each of the elements in a little detail. And give our audience kind of a, a playbook for how they can develop mm. each of these elements. Yeah, okay. So I think 
Uh, first off, it's like what it isn't. Because I think a lot of time people think brand and they think logo. And it's like, it's not just your logo. Right. Like that That's the one little you know piece I mean? of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. So I think like, but, but visual, visual brand identity is kind of like the first thing that I would, that I would kind of think of. Um, so like what kind of visual elements um, represent your brand. Um, and so that will include things like your logo, but also how you want to um, put things on social media, um, those kind of visuals as well, and your website and how that looks and, and how it speaks to your customers. Um, and I think, well, we can, talk about, we can talk about UVPs, but maybe let's do that later. Before we do that, <laughs> let's, let's carry on. Um, so yeah, so brand visuals, and then you've got brand voice. So it's like, how does your brand communicate with the world, right? So um, what kind of things do you post on social media? How do you communicate via email? Um, what kind of language do you use? What tone do you use? Are you playful or are you more serious? Um, that kind of thing. Um, and then brand values. So what, what does your company stand for? What do you stand for? Um, what do you believe in? Uh, and that also feeds into your personality. So how do you project yourself into the market? Um, so brand personality and then messaging comes after that. So it's like you've got the... Get, get the visuals right, then get the voice right, then dig a bit dig a bit deeper and get your values, and then dig a dip, bit deeper again and get your personality across, and, and then finally your messaging. Um, so how do you communicate all of those elements above, I think is uh, like the messaging. Um, and then that includes value. So how do you like, how do you communicate your value to your potential customers? Yeah, and I, I love that. I think that mm. all of those elements, um, they do feed into each other. And it is, mm. you know, I feel like once you have, you know, set your values and you see what your offering is, it's easier to figure out, well, what kind of voice should I have, right? Like if I, uh, you know, I, I, on an earlier episode, um, you know, Chris and I were discussing MailChimp, right, where it's a little more playful of, of a voice yeah. and whatever, because ultimately it's email campaigns, right? Like it's, you know, obviously it can provide a big benefit, but it's not life or death. Um, whereas yeah. if you're providing something like insurance, right, you probably would have a lot more of a serious tone. You want to appear more stable um, yes, uh, and things like that. So yeah, I think that's all great. And it, uh, you can see where each of those elements feeds into the others uh, and kind of becomes uh, a little ecosystem for your brand. Yeah, and I think before, you know, before you can start putting messaging out there if you don't know your clients and if you don't know what your identity is and what you believe in and and, and you know what, what kind of voice you want to have you're just going to be throwing messaging out that might not resonate with anybody or with the wrong people which is worse than anybody I right <laughs> yeah so yeah you have to let those things kind of feed into each other i like it so would you say step one to defining your brand identity would be to uh, research your target audience and see, you know, what their struggles are, what conversations they're having with each other, what verbiage they're using when they talk about them. Exactly. Yeah. I think, um, that doing market research is like critical to, to de like developing your brand identity because, uh, and you can do that in many ways, like through surveys, um, interviews with current customers, if you have current customers, um, or you can do focus groups and just gathering those kind of customer mm -hmm. insights. Um, they're going to be really valuable. Like, and what, you know, how, how do people perceive you? Because you, you, you can test messaging. You can test your, like, brand voice and stuff like that. And how, how do people perceive you? 
and is it the way that you want to be perceived because someone might see something and perceive it a certain way and you might be like that's not what I meant at all you know right. I think that's very easy to happen like through text because you can't sense tone and and you know all that kind of stuff so um yeah definitely um do do market research and then from market research you can start to build your buyer persona right which is a fictional like a fictional representation of your ideal customer but it's not completely fictional because the way you build a buyer persona is through market research um, and through gathering those customer insights um identifying like common characteristics of the of the people that you want to serve um and also analyzing competitors that's a that's a good one um because you can then kind of look for gaps of the people that you can target and start building your brand identity from there because that's a great way to differentiate yourself is to you know solve a problem that is within a problem. Yeah, right. Oh, for sure. Well, let's yeah. let's let's dive a little deeper in that because you mentioned UVPs mm. earlier, unique value props, and I think um, yes, you know when we're talking about finding a gap in the market, um, it's it's all very much connected in the same conversation. So, how important is a unique value proposition to your brand identity when you're building one? Um, well, very important because your unique value proposition should be the first thing that people see on your website, pretty much. It's going to be in the, the hero sections, so the, the top section of your website. Um, you're going to have your unique value proposition in there and you've got literally like a few seconds to grab someone's attention, right? So if you can make it really, um, like really specific and unique, um, then hopefully you'll, you'll grab the right people. Um, so it's like... The best way I can describe it is um, once you know your ideal customer, what problem do you solve? And that's not what you do, but it's what what you do does for your customer, right? So like, there's no point telling people what you do and and what your products does. It's what does it do for them? What's the result they're going to get from it? Um, And and how do you go about getting that result? Um, So it might be things like... um, Look, I think of trying to think of examples. Yeah, uh, well, it's like the age-old example, right? Uh, that you know nobody really wants to buy the drill bit; they want the hole, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think as as well, like the the UVB has to have specific language. It might be like instead of saying, I don't know, let's say you sell online cooking classes, right? Instead of saying something really vague like you know, become a great chef or become a great chef at home or something like that. You want it to be really specific. So it can be like, you know, you're doing it from home. So virtual cooking classes taught by a Michelin star chef. Like that's, that's going to grab my attention more than just, you know, saying become a master chef. Right. Oh, that's very it's like, that right? doesn't tell me what, how, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the doesn't path tell me how. A and B. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't tell me who's, who's going to get me there. You know, can I do it online or do I have to do it somewhere else? You know, like, becoming a master chef isn't isn't specific enough so you want to be as specific as possible um and customers buy outcomes not products i think that's a way to kind of encapsulate encapsulate all of that yeah that's awesome well and yeah. uh for listeners if you're interested we do have a full episode on uvps um mm-hmm. so check that out for a ton of context and information about how you can dive into the nitty-gritty of building your own um but let's so you know We've talked a lot about uh, the language and market research and understanding your target audience. 
Um, I would like to return a little bit, though, to the visual branding because I know, you know, we've established the logo is not the whole game. It's not the entire brand identity. But, um, you know, logos, color schemes, it is very much still a part of a brand identity. Um, How Mm. important are those visual branding elements? They are still very important. Um, I think, what company? I think it was Slack that used to have a they used to have a different uh, used to have a different logo, and they changed it to align more of what they wanted to to get across. I think when they first came out, it was like a hashtag, and then the word Slack, and then they changed it to what they have now, which I can't actually re-describe. Right, um, exactly. It's yeah. a bunch of colorful blocks. <laughs> yeah, colorful blocks. Yeah, but it's still like like you know it's them as soon as you see it, right? And I think that's the that's the important thing. It's like, you know, McDonald's is, is McDonald's when you see the golden arches, right. right? Like, yeah. So I think like the the visual is still really important um, and color palettes and applications, like, because color palettes, you know, if you've got something, pe- people associate certain colors with certain things, right? So like red is danger, yellow is more warm, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So again, how you want to come across is, is going to, is going to come out in your, in your branding, um, even like type, type typography and um, like font guidelines and stuff like that. I think you need that, um, you know, comic sans. I was literally just going to say, if you're going to be, you know, <laughs> if, if you are, you know, uh, offering resources for kindergarten teachers yeah. or something, maybe comic sans is an appropriate choice. But if you're yeah. in the business world, um, probably not. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, and like strong, you know, like strong type of typography can can make a difference to, um, you know, bold, um, italic, you know, fun stuff like exclamation marks, all that kind of stuff, plays into how you portray yourself. I think, um, and then like visually, again, kind of Im- like what kind of images images do, do you want to use? Um, is it like professional images that you know that have been taken on? really expensive cameras or is it shot by iPhone, that, that kind of stuff. I think Adobe does a really good job at that. Um, they have an Instagram page with like one and a half million followers, I think. And they put a lot of user-generated content on there of, of people using Adobe, which I think is really smart because, one, they don't have to do it themselves. Right, right. <laughs> and it, it, it yeah. always lends a little more credibility, right, when it's user-generated. Yeah. It's a customer seeing exactly. another yeah. customer using the product, which is always a win, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and like they, they, they actually get some of their creators to, to do tutorials like of, of them using the product, which I think is smart as well. Um, so, yeah, like visually, all, all of that stuff, video, uh, images, typography, um, color palettes, um, logo, it, it, it all feeds into pre- representing yourself. I love it. I love it. So we've talked a lot about the different pieces of the puzzle, but let's talk Mm. consistency a little bit. So what are some effective strategies, techniques that, um, you know, you can use to create consistent brand voice messaging across all your channels, all your touch points, all your visual elements, your messaging elements, all of the above? What, how do you achieve that consistency? That's so important to having a solid brand identity. Um, so depending on how big your team is and who else is going to be using, like or working for, for, and with your brand, um, you might want to have a, a brand style guide. I think that's going to be, um, like a, an important first step is to kind of 
identify you know what your core attributes are um and what your messaging pillars are um that should come across in all communication so like you know what is it you want to get across is it that you're trustworthy innovative i don't know like all these all, all these different things they need to come across in in every communi- communication so that could be things like email obviously like your blog writing um social media um podcasting um it has to be consistent and e- even even down to things like if you get a negative review on custom on 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 social media from a customer right like how do you respond right. to that person yeah because that's gonna that is a way to build your brand like if you if you respond to negative if you delete negative reviews right that sends a different mess right exactly yep right all part of it but if you yeah but if you respond in a, in a way that you normally would you know like and that's consistent with your your brand you're going to build more trust because people are going to see that you know even people that even customers that give you bad reviews are going to see that you're trying to actually do better um and i think that can build trust more than deleting the reviews or you know sending us like a a negative response right, with lots right. of swearing. Sure. Yes, <laughs> yes, don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I agree. The the you know example of between deleting the reviews um, or even just mm. you know ignoring them versus giving a constructive response. Um, you know, it can show your dedication to helping your customers yeah. solve their problems, right? Beyond yeah. just the purchase, um, which can build trust. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then just like yeah, as I said, style guides before. So like tone of voice guidelines, um, set expectations of of how you want your people to communicate, um, and that's I think that's how you can kind of stay consistent. Um, yeah, with with your messaging. So let's let's dig into the brand style guide a little bit more. Um, what elements like w- say I've never built a brand style guide before? Let's pretend. <laughs> mm. uh, what should I put in it? Um, what elements should definitely be included? Um, you know, obviously <clears throat> we're gonna want to have logo information, and we're gonna want to have mm. the you know the the codes for the colors that are in the brand uh, information about the voice. Uh, and things like that. But we, we, let's get into the nitty gritty. What are some of the elements that you always make sure you include in a brand style guide? Um, so going back to earlier, so like tone, tone of voice, um, word choice recommendations, things like that. Like, you know, um, I think that's important. Um, messaging framework, I think is like going to be one of the biggest things. So like messaging framework with examples, you know, like how do you want me to, you know, if I'm building a landing page, how do you want your brand to come across on that landing page? You know, what do you, do you use headings, subheadings? Um, what kind of language do you use here? Is it, you know, is it more fun or is it like, is it really not stuffy, but you know, whatever the opposite of fun Highly is, Highly right? professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, professional, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Um, um, yeah, you want things like that, you want unacceptable messaging as well like what do you not want me to say yes i think that's that's an important one um and what practices do you not want me to engage in um then like nitty-gritty you're thinking of things like legal statements disclaimers at the bottom that kind of stuff i think that's important to not to not forget about yeah um uh and then yeah just back to what we were talking about before that typography font guidelines color palettes um 
that's how I would go about it. Yeah, I think that's great. So having just a really mm. robust, solid brand style guide that is clearly presented and available to every person in your organization that may be touching your messaging, dealing with a customer, anything like that. Um, I think that's a great way to make sure that you're keeping consistency and, and taking those steps. Yeah. And I think like you, you can have like brand, brand asset libraries. Yeah. That's a really smart thing to do. Um, especially for things like logos, like, you know, having logos that fit on a desktop, on a mobile and wherever else you need to use it. Right. Like, um, and I think you, I think you have to have like, you should have logo usage standards as well. Yes. So where, yeah, where can your logo be used and where can it not be used? Right. And where, if you um, have multiple logos, which logo is used in this instance versus that instance, yeah. all of that is great information to include in your style guide. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and then like to make sure that you stay consistent, train, just train your team, like train your people, right? Train writers, designers, sales teams. Um, agency partners on what what your style and uh, brand voice is. Yeah, it's great advice. Yeah. Let's get negative though. <laughs> I, I always I always like to get negative <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because I like to see the flip side, right? For myself, I, I like to understand you know not only how to do things, but how mm. to avoid doing the wrong things. Um, right. So, what are some common mistakes, pitfalls? Um, that businesses might run into should avoid when they are creating their brand identity? Um, not to focus too much on visuals. So like, you know, you can focus so much on visual and think, oh, this looks really pretty. Um, that Everyone's going to love it. Um, so yeah, focusing too much on like your logo and all of that stuff before you get into customer research. Like do the customer research first. That's right. the most important thing, right? Um because if you don't, as you say, if you don't know your customers, like how are you going to? Right. You may create the most attractive logo that doesn't yeah. actually appeal to your customers at all, in which case yeah, exactly, the prettiest yeah. logo ever. It's not going to do anything for you. <laughs> yeah. So it's best to like, it's best to keep it simple um, to start with. You can always like spruce things up later, but keep it simple like to start with, right? Um Something else like copying competitors is probably a bad idea of, or like following trends um, that aren't relevant to your brand. That's a, that's, that's a big no, no. Um, so you like, you want to be as, as authentic as possible and what fits your business. Um, what else, uh, with that, you have to differentiate yourself from, from competitors as well. So if you, if you fail to differentiate yourself, like how are you going to stand out? You can't be unique, you know, you know, like, like, like we said earlier, like, in a such a B2B is such a vast thing and there's so many tools that do the same thing. So how do you differentiate yourself? And if you don't do that, you're not going to stand out. Um, uh, what else? Well, I think it's, it, it sounds like it all comes back to, uh, being about the customer. And I think that's, uh, you know, a, a truism in a lot of marketing, you know, if, even when you're building, or especially when you're building your brand, it's not really about your brand. <laughs> it's always yeah. about your customers. And um, so, yeah, it sounds like probably the biggest mistake that someone could make uh, is forgetting that, losing sight of that at any stage in the process um, yeah. of building or communicating that brand identity. Yeah, you know, I think I think um, Slack has done a really great job of... Um... Like in the B two B space, Slack has done a really good. Like when they first came out, they 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 put Slack out to the users, 
and you know so you know literally got as much feedback from them as possible to say what's good about it what's bad about it what would you change um and they they use that to build a to build a better product right and to and to help brand themselves so um yeah just it it does always come back to the customer and it comes back to what outcome they're going to get from you and your brand is a part of that like actually you know putting that messaging out there is is it is is a big part of that. Yeah. Well, I think I feel like you you've touched on something a little bit um that I want to dig into a little more uh with okay. Slack. Now, I wouldn't say Slack has done a like a full rebrand. I would say they've done more refining. Um but you know, how how in your opinion, what's your advice for a business that needs to navigate the process of rebranding or refining their brands, right? They've they've put something out there and they are surveying their customers, right? Or, or target audience and they're just seeing, "Oh my gosh, We've missed the mark. <laughs> What's your advice right. for what they can do to carry out that rebrand without losing the loyalty of any existing good fit customers that they have? Um, first off, tell your customers what you're doing. <laughs> so like, tell them that you're going to rebrand. Um, I think that's a, that, that's a big thing. And the reasons why you're doing it and the benefits of, of rebranding. So you can make the purpose really clear, like this is why we're rebranding. These are the benefits that you're going to get, um, you know, and and we're telling you this is when it's going to roll out, right? And then I think with that as well, phase like phase in changes slowly. Um, like you can evolve your logo rather than doing a, a complete redesign. So you might keep some of the colors, for example, but you're changing some of the elements or the type like typography because you don't want to because people really do associate visually like, you know, like certain things like if McDonald's changed their logo right. or changed their golden arches to something else, no one would, would recognize it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, right. so you can't do things too quickly. Um, and again, make sure it's consistent across all channels. So like if you're rebranding, do it all at the same time. You know, if you're going to rebrand you got to do it on facebook instagram right your website um, your email, emails your website. yes everywhere yep. yeah all at the same time um because otherwise you're just creating confusion um there include messaging that like reinforces um the, the continuity of your brand even though aesthetics are changing that's a i think that's quite quite a big one um so you like Unless you're rebranding your entire like values and everything, which I doubt you're going to be doing, unless you're looking for a new customer. Well, I was going to say, I feel like it's um, you know, there's a scale, right, a sliding scale between yeah. you know, oh, we just need to kind of retarget a little bit versus, um, wow, we actually don't want people to associate us with our old brand mm. because of yeah. X Y Z, right? If you really have missed yeah. the mark entirely, um, then that may yeah. be the case and you wouldn't really be that worried in that instance about keeping your existing customers because it sounds like they're poor fit customers probably <laughs> yeah yeah I, I remember there was um because there's there's going to be two camps there like there's going to be the people that are like really supportive of you changing there's going to be people that are really annoyed about it i don't know if you remember when crossfit changed like when there was controversy around CrossFit, I don't know if you remember, the Greg Glassman, the owner, no. there was controversy around him. And so uh, like many CrossFit gyms took CrossFit out of their title. So like that, that, that that's a big thing to do because like you you basically pay for the name with, with, with CrossFit, you pay to use a name, it's an affiliate, right? So 
people that, that didn't want to be associated with what he'd done took CrossFit out of their name in, entirely. But that also then alienates everybody that wants to do CrossFit. Right. Because they can see your facility as just another weightlifting gym, right? Um, whereas they were the, on the other side of things, people were like, no, he doesn't represent the brand. This represents the brand, right? So that's why I say you, you can't make like knee-jerk decisions, you know, and just decide to to change everything overnight because you're going to alienate half your customers, but you might also make some of your customers happy that, that you've done it. So it depends. Um, but it's best to do it slowly. I think phase out certain things and bring in more things and make sure the messaging is really clear. Excellent. Well, let's, let's wrap up with some examples. Um, just to really bring it home. Um, you know, I've, you've mentioned a few already Slack and Adobe and, um, you know, do you, do you have an example of a B2B brand with a really strong brand identity? So like one I think of a lot, um, which this is, I feel like it's a good example because the brand identity is not flashy and it's not, uh, you know, splashy colors and, you know, the things we think about mm -hmm. with, you know, oh, McDonald's, Golden Arch, right? It's uh, IBM. I feel like IBM has a pretty strong brand identity, right? Um, you know, it has that very blocky logo um yeah. that has been the same for so long <laughs> uh and you know where you mentioned with the phasing and changing and a lot of brands will do that right where they'll, they'll kind of phase out or adjust and follow the trends of the market with with their logos and um you know ibm yeah. hasn't really done that and i think that 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 alone speaks to the consistency element and the longevity elements which are so important to their brand's messaging um you know they're trying to be yeah. stable they're trying to be uh, you yes. know, that trustworthy rock. Um, yeah. And I do think that their their brand identity is pretty strong uh, on all those fronts. Yeah, and I think like those those kind of big companies, you, you can't get away from it. You know, you can you can say like there are small companies that have great branding and I'm sure there are, but the the big companies like Microsoft, you know, um, Apple. Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. Apple is like the, you know, <laughs> you see that Apple, you know. Right exactly what you're getting right expensive laptops um <laughs> as i sit here recording on an expensive laptop <laughs> exactly with, with same logo. And my, yeah and my ipad's over there my iphone's over there and i've got an iwatch one yeah. um you know like apple annoys me because they're so expensive but i will still buy everything that they put out so um yeah but i think those those kind of companies and, and like i said it's it's simple it's quite simple branding right like apple is just the, the apple but they kind of they can do that because they already have that that following, right? Right. Well, and I think for um, Apple, it's it's part of the simplicity is part of the brand identity. Why is yeah. it that you have the iPad, the iPhone, the Apple Watch, all of it? Yeah. Because you know you pick up an Apple product. If you already have one, you're going to know how to use the next one because the interface is the same and they all connect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah. the simplicity is a part of their identity for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like you know, for things like Slack and stuff like that, they they they've kind of branded themselves as they're quite fun, you know, like they're not because they're, they're talking about like workplace communications, right? So it's like you said earlier, like they have to be professional, but also it's not the most exciting topic. Um, so then they they sprinkle in a bit of fun in their communications, and everything's quite interactive. Um, Adobe's the same. HubSpot is a probably a good example of. Uh, of a of a like good branding um with the orange you know that that orange color 
that that kind of stands out. Yeah. Well, and for HubSpot uh, specifically too, um, because you know they're so much of their their brand is about um, connecting every element of your workplace and you know communication mm, yeah. and consistency and all of that. And I think by having that really active blog and providing all the training resources and all of that, um, all of that is part of that identity too. Yeah. 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 Like Neil Patel, MP Digital, um, you know, they do SEO and they do it really well. And, you know, they've, they've got to a point where you, if you, I think if you type in MP Digital, their website, you can either go to their blog or go to work with them. And it's like, that's what they want to kind of portray, right? Um, um, yeah, but it doesn't have to just keep it simple. I think most of the biggest, most of the best brands keep things simple and it's very recognizable. Um, it's not confusing. It's not confusing image elements, you know, yeah. like you just know what you're getting. Right. I, think that's I love it. Yeah. So to wrap it up, keep things simple, be genuine, be authentic, keep your customer front of mind, uh, and you will be able to create an amazing brand identity. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this chat, John. Yeah, and hopefully our listeners enjoyed all these insights and they can use um, the examples that we talked about to level up the way they think about and communicate their brand's identity to their audience. So thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please take a second to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast application. Until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.